0: So here I am. I haven't done this in a while, so now I'm a little rusty. Dennis wants to make sure I'm in practice, so he's keeping me, keeping me going here. Um, but uh, I just want to start off with a, you know, quick little personal thing here, um, just to thank Dennis for everything he's doing here in the church. I've been to a lot of churches. My parents frequently visit many churches, and I I've just been to every kind of church you can imagine. And you know, Dennis spending the time to go through just a book of the Bible. I mean, I know it's been 30 weeks and you're still in John. Um, it's great, though, because it keeps him honest. It, he has to teach what the Bible is is going on. A lot of pastors like to teach topics and subjects, which is okay, but I guess sometimes it gets easy just to kind of do your own thing, you know, preach what you're com- comfortable preaching, and then preach what benefits you in the church. So, you know, the money thing comes up whenever they feel like it and and stuff like that. So it's good to just kind of get the whole counsel of God. So I do appreciate it, even though maybe you're sitting here and you're like, all right, we're only in the second chapter of John. When are we going to finish? Probably this time next year, maybe, you know, but but it is good because you're getting you're getting everything. You're getting all of it. And it causes Dennis and and I'm realizing for myself is that like, you know, Dennis gives me the passage that I'm supposed to preach and it's like, well, all right, now I have to actually study it rather than just think of a few points that I want to say. So, uh thank you Dennis for keeping me honest and um and having to do this. Uh 2 weeks ago Dennis um spoke about Jesus turning the water into wine. And that's kind of where, where Christ kind of came on the scene, where he's just like, all right, as, as Dennis said, it, it's like, here it is now. He's, he's out, and, and, and he's doing miracles, his first miracle. And now we're continuing on from there. So we're going to open up the, um John 2, if you haven't already. John 2. And, you know, the good thing about John 2, well, the good thing about just all the Gospels is, you know, when you, when you go and see something, like the concert, We'll just use that as an example yesterday. If you asked Dennis how it went and, and, and what he liked, or he asked my wife what she liked, or he asked me, or, or anybody else that was there, we're going to give you a different perspective of everything. It's all It's all what happened, but there's going to be one thing that really stood out to Dennis, one thing that stood out to me. I actually saw the musicians... Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, you're going to have different perspectives. Mariah will probably tell you how close the guy got and how cute he was and how excited she was and how I felt like I wanted to beat him down. Um, And so, so, you know, it's always a a different perspective. And so John here kind of he goes this thing where he doesn't get in all the details, but he just shows like just... Christ and God and, and the magnificence of it. He's like, you know, if you read Matthew, the account in Matthew, he's got more detail. John's just like, here's Jesus. He walks in, he does his thing, and that's what happens. You know, so it's good to read all the Gospels, but it's cool that they're not all exactly the same. Does that make sense? Because if we if we all see something, we're all going to have a different account for it. Um, some people have a little twist. They add a little more, you know, um, in, in Mariah's family. She's shaking her head no. No. Um, her maiden name is brian and uh and whenever somebody in her her side of the family tells a story um i call it the, the brian twist all right there's always like what happened and then how they saw it all right so what happened and how they saw it you know and it's it just happens that way they like to tell stories kind of like fishermen but uh, but john too <laughs> sorry john 2. This isn't my normal Bible. I don't know where my New Living is, so this is my one-year Bible. So I had to find John, too, because it's all broken down by dates. Uh, Verse 13, it says this, "'The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, "'Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of trade.'" His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It, is, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what, that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when he saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So let's kind of break this down and, and kind of see what's going on. It was Passover, Jesus going in Jerusalem for Passover. And, um, you know, it's most of you know what Passover is. We'll kind of go over it a little bit. But it kind of describes it starting in Exodus 11 all right, it's, it's when the children of Israel were in Egypt, all right, Moses is telling Pharaoh, let my people go, and, and then all these plagues are happening, all right, now if I was Pharaoh, I, they would be gone on the first one, but that didn't happen, and so like he sends the, you know, the frogs, the locusts, the lice, how many people would change their mind at lice, right, <laughs> tennis wouldn't have to worry about that but but, but you know it all these things turning the water into blood and all this crazy stuff and then finally god is like all right moses here it is this is going to be the one that's going to get you out of the land of egypt you know and and so the passover he talks about it. he says listen i'm going to i'm going to go through the town and and uh, and whoever doesn't have the blood of a lamb on their doorposts their firstborn will die sounds a little harsh right i mean i would be I'd be slaughtering lambs, you know, blood everywhere. And so, so he, he, he tells them how to do it. He tells them, you know, it needs to be an unblemished, first year, you know, firstborn lamb. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, wow, why would he do that? But you start seeing the foreshadowing of things to come, right? An innocent lamb coming, dying, bloodshed. Sins forgiven, people saved, and so he's saying this is how it's going to work. Do this, and, and he gives them this whole thing, Exodus eleven, if you want to read it, of how it's done and how it's supposed to be done and everything else. And so the lambs are sacrificed. They put the blood on the on the posts of the door, and the next day they you know the firstborn of the Egyptians were were dead, and they're like, all right, now it's time for you to leave. You know, now you're messing with my family. Time for you to leave. They leave. Pharaoh chases after them, and so. God tells them to keep the Passover. Every year they keep the Passover. And and even now, you know, it's on our calendar, right? And, And the Passover is there to remember that salvation came through the shedding of blood. Reminding them that one day salvation would come through the shedding of blood. And so... Passover's being kept, and at this time when Jesus goes, all the Jews, right, and, and, and no matter where they were in the known world at that time, would come to Jerusalem. So around that time, Jerusalem, the population would swell probably four to five times its population, people everywhere, everything going on, and you'd go in the temple, and you would, you know, you would, you would worship God, you would, you would honor God, and, and you would keep the Passover. And as Jesus went in there, to go to the temple, he sees these money changers and he sees these people, these merchants selling animals and, and, and doing all this stuff. Because, you know, you know, I'm trying to think about the whole thing of how it happened, but if you didn't live right in Jerusalem and you lived however far away, you know, you got to pack up the family. You know, it's not like you're packing them up in the minivan with your lamb and going, right? So you, you pack up the family, jump on your camels, kind of make your way over and, and they get there. And so then they would purchase an animal for sacrifice and what would happen is these merchants would be there and they would sell the animal 10 times what it's worth. Now, I don't know how much a goat costs anybody. know how much a lamb costs. I have no idea. But let's say 20 bucks. I guess you can get a cheap one at the farmer's market, right? They would sell it, you know, for $200, right? And you're just like, all right, that's kind of ridiculous, you know. But the people, you know, you had to do it. You needed the lamb. You needed the honor God. And so they would pay the money, to make the sacrifice, and people were just taken advantage of, right? But what happened is you're from a foreign land, you don't have the, the currency of the of Jerusalem there, so now you'd have to exchange that first, and they were saying it's about a 25% exchange rate. You know, so, I mean, it became like just robbery in the temp, in the temple, right? And kind of like today for us would be in the church of God, right? And, and all this was going on, and Jesus was seeing it. And the interesting thing was, you know, as, I, as I'm studying and reading it, they didn't just, you know, obviously sacrifice for the Passover. They sacrificed for sin and, and everything else. And there's this whole thing of how you do it and what you do. And the interesting about it was is that the high priest or the chief priest were allowed to, to deem any animal clean. they were allowed to say, okay, you could sacrifice that, you could do that. They were getting kickbacks from selling the animals, and this whole thing is going on, and it's becoming, really, as, as you said, you turn it into a den of thieves, right? And, and, and they're stealing from the people. So it wasn't just the merchants, but the spiritual authority of the time were actually stealing and, and, and gaining from people just trying to worship God. You know, and, you know, the temple, the temple at the time was a place to come and just reflect on God, just to come, and, and, and a safe place. And we try to make, you know, church that way. I know Dennis does, and when we were doing youth group, it was just always a, a time to say, you know what? We don't care who you are. We don't care where you've been. This is a safe place. Just come and, and encounter God and get to know God. And that's what, you know, the, the Jews wanted. They wanted to be able to come and, 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 and remember what, what God has done for them and, 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 and make things right and kind of be there. And yet, you know, they're being just taken advantage of. And so Jesus, seeing this, just got upset and, and and he overturns the tables. He makes a whip and he's driving animals out and he's he's you know overturning the tables and and money's flying everywhere. And which kind of gives us a, a different perspective of who Jesus was at the time because we always think of Jesus as nice and sitting around drinking wine and you know and just kind of like just just there and and soft you know floating around with his disciples and doing his thing. But but he kind of he got angry about it. He was just like you know he's he's driving people out and and taking care of things and you know it was probably like the Durham Fair, people everywhere and animals everywhere, probably didn't smell very good, right? And and crazy stuff's going on. And and you you look at it and you're like, wow, Jesus did that. But the question is, is by what authority did he do that? And and they asked him that. They're like, why are you doing this? Because as I'm reading this and studying this more, you see that the high priest had had amazing authority. Actually, if anybody went beyond like the, I have to make sure I get the word right here. But, um, the court of the Gentiles, any, anybody that, any, any non-Jew person that went beyond that, um, they could be put to death right there in the temple. In the Roman, Rome, they gave them the authority to do that. And so, in all actuality, with, with Jesus kind of doing his whole tirade and everything else, in, in human standards, they, the high priest had the authority to do what they wanted to do. They could have taken control of the situation. But it just showed how much authority Jesus had at the time. And how much control God was in at the time where nothing happened to him. Nothing can, he just, he did what he did and, and everybody's kind of stood back wondering what's going on. Animals are running for freedom, you know, and, and money is everywhere. And nothing happened. And it's just amazing that, that Jesus can kind of do what he wants because, as you know in the story later on, he dies by the same people. But at that point, it wasn't his time yet. And God was in full and complete control which is just awesome. They started, you know... I try to think of it as today, modern stuff. You know, that's the history of it at that time. But do we see that today in the church of God? Do we see that kind of stuff going? Obviously, we don't see animals running around in most churches. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) But, but do, we see, do we see that going on? Do we see maybe people in authority taking advantage of other people that just want to draw close to God? Like I said, I've been to a lot of churches and I've seen a lot of things. I've been to every church imaginable, right? Every type of church, I would say. And you see that, like, there are some people that are just in it to gain. There are some people in it just to... Kind of get what they want. It's more of a job than anything, and it's it's no different than it was back then. You know, I was thinking the other day, like Christianity would be great if it wasn't for people. All right, it, it really would, because we take somebody of authority. We'll use Dennis as an example because he's the head guy here, and um, you know, he's a great guy and he studies a lot and he really cares about the church, and we talk often. But like, I can't look at Dennis to get to God. I can't look at my, my faith can't be in Dennis to have a relationship with God because he's, he's just man. You know, he's, as, he's weak and, and he's flesh like us, sorry. Um, but, but, you know, what if Dennis just decided not to follow God anymore and just went on his own? Would it wreck you? Would it cause you to like just lose all faith in God? And if, if the answer is yes on that, then where's your focus? Where Where is it? And like, you know, you see it on the news all the time. Just people and just spiritual people and authority just messing up and, and, and losing everything. And people are destroyed because of it. And you, you know, you just, you can't put your, your your hope and expectation in man. Dennis is just the guy pointing to God for us. Which is good. I mean, not to belittle that, but he's the guy to to bring us to God and to show us who God is. But same, he's just a man. And a lot of times, people start off in the right and they want to do stuff and they want to draw people close to God, but then somewhere they go astray. Because we're all fallible. We can all mess up at any time. And so Christianity would be easier if it wasn't for people. If I could just do church by myself and nobody else included, it'd probably be a great church. Right, It would be, be, be amazing because it's just me. But are you guys with me on this? Are you understanding this? And so the high priest, same thing. They got greedy. They, they're like, hey, well, if you're going to get a cut of that, I want a cut of that. And, and the thing that was supposed to, the people that were supposed to help people draw close to God, where it was supposed to be a safe place to come and, and, and draw close to God, it was no longer. People were being taken advantage of You know, Jesus was saying, Hey, you know, destroy this temple, I'll build it up in three days. The Bible is full of prophecy. There's prophecy all over the place. And it was just one of those things where he was talking and they weren't hearing, you know, they weren't listening at all. When he was like, destroy this temple, and he was kinda of letting them know, Hey, you're gonna destroy me, but I, I I will rise again in three days. And it's very important to understand that you you have to even if you have to study or talk to Dennis about it or or get to know it. But you have to understand the resurrection of Christ. Because that is the key event in Christianity. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are just wasting our time. We should be at a picnic right now. All right? We are just kind of wasting our time and, and just doing stuff. Because, you know, any man can die. People died on the cross all the time back then. right? right? Two others died with Christ. Anybody can believe, claim to be the son of God. All right? But it takes God to rise from the dead, and so the question is: Did the resurrection happen? And so here he's telling them again. He's like, "Listen, in three days I'll rise again." And when it happened, the disciples remembered that again. That, like, you know what? He was right there again. He was right. You okay, guys with me on that? And so he remembered the scripture, and they remembered. Towards the end, of that, and it's going to be actually a fairly quick one today, and then you guys can go on a picnic. It's it's a very simple message. And I think if you can just get it and and I'm getting it too. At the end of that it says, you know what, people started believing Jesus for his signs. For the signs that were that that he showed them. But he didn't he didn't put trust in that because he knew man. And how many times do we go to like a a, a conference or a show, you know, with, with with all the Christian stuff, and it's hyped up a little more, so we're jumping up and down and and, and we feel God. And, or we think we feel God, and then a week later we're questioning, like, is there a God? Our hearts are, are, are wicked, like, you know, and, and Christ knew that. Christ knew that, like, our hearts, and, and you probably know that too, right? You're sitting there, and, and life's going good, and you see somebody, and all of a sudden you have this thought, and you're like, where did that come from? You know, and you're like, I can't believe that's there. And so Jesus didn't put his stock in man. He didn't think about, well, hey, you know, they're accepting me because of my signs. Because he knew what was in man. And once again, you've got to bring it around again. Is, is We know that, that, that people look out for themselves most of the time. It's just in us, right? It's just in us to, you know, there's no interest like self-interest, right? It's just the way it is. And Jesus is like, well, you know what? They're calling me the Messiah. That's fine. They're, they're, they're starting to believe me. But he also knew in a very short time, they're going to be the same people saying crucify him the people that, that loved him are now saying crucify him. And they'll be saying that. I'm sorry, Waterboy, how are you doing there? Oh, and, oh, going all the way. <laughs> Thank you. You're good at this. I'm not sure. Have you done it before? I haven't. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is? <laughs> I could take him. No, um, <laughs> I used to be an Navy SEAL. Thought that was my wife laughing like that. I was like, "That's not funny." Um, <laughs> are you guys with me today? It really, I, and I'm going. You listen, I'm in this weird situation with with me, just this faith walk. I mean, just to be honest, it's just you know. I was working at a church, and I was a pastor. I still am, I guess. Um, but but it just, God's brought me through another, just another place. And I'm, I'm starting to understand this whole faith walk thing. This whole thing of just like, you know, you have your plan set. You have your ideas of what's going to happen. And then it all just gets wrecked, right? And you blame God for it. But, you know, I mean, just a quick story of my life. I like everything kind of planned out. How many people like that? Like, I like to know what's happening, not even just tomorrow, but in 10 years from now where I'm going to be and, and all this stuff. So at the lovely age of probably 16 or 17, my life was planned out. I had it all situated. I knew who I was going to marry at 17. Pretty impressive, right? Um, and I married her, and and which is great. And then I knew I was going to be in full-time ministry, which I did. But no, I'm not, and and so it's this whole thing was planned out of what was going to happen, and I was like, you know, running a youth ministry, having a great time with it, and 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 then all of a sudden everything changed, and now I'm working with sinners, and 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 those evil people that you know you don't want to be around, and uh, and I like it, and so. <laughs> I think I'm one of them, but but I go and, and I'm, I'm working. I'm not in, in, in full-time ministry per se, and it's given me this whole perspective, this whole, whole new perspective of, of what really is supposed to happen. Like I said, I grew up in the church. I went to, you know, a very legalistic school, um, worked at a, at, a, at a good church, but they're very legalistic, um, and if, you know, if they kind of knew my life now and kind of, you know, like went to a Coldplay concert last night. Uh, they would be praying for my repentance, um, but but it was always about the outside. It really was. Even in my life, that it was always taught that if you looked right and you didn't wear sandals when you preached, you were okay. <laughs> All right, and so <laughs> or jeans. You never wore ch- jeans to church ever, and so it was always kind of like these high priests of, of of just looking right doing the right sacrifice and, and going through the motions of it all and i was there forever it was like you know what work full-time ministry go to church you're told what to wear up while you're on staff told what to do and and then all of a sudden that's gone and i'm responsible for my, my my own spiritual walk now if i don't want to go to you know when you're working for a church you have to be at church every sunday so you're there but now I don't work for a church, so you know, if I wake up Sunday morning, I'm not feeling it. I-, I can go back to sleep, you know. And I think I did that for the first month. I just didn't go to church, and it was okay. It was okay. No, I'm not telling you not to come to church. Sorry, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Attendance two next week. Um, but you <laughs> <laughs> just me, and Dennis, next week. But but I'm going through this whole thing, and Dennis has been just a great help. Just sitting down and, and chatting with him, and knowing that. It's not exactly what you do, even though like when you're following God, you, you, there are things that you do, and as, as you're walking closer to God and, and, and walking with him, there's just some things he pulls out of your life, and the whole sanctification process happens. But that comes because you want to, and you need, you know, and it just kind of comes, you know? And I was just in my mind thinking, you just do this. And I was very judgmental. I still am at times. And I was just like, this whole, am I making sense here? This, this, this whole thing... And so now Mariah and I are like, you know, all right, let's go find a church. And we went to a couple different churches. And we landed here. And it's like, you know, it's just real. It's just like, come as you are. And it's not flashy at all. Once again, I apologize. Um, you know, they got the Grange signs up, and it's nice. Um, but <laughs> but for me, it's okay just to sit in the back and, and worship and and. And just kind of draw close to God. And it doesn't have to be the jumpy up and down stuff to kind of get you moving. It's like if you want to worship God, it's up to you to kind of come in and do that. And then Dennis brings the word. And then you go home. It's not your typical church. The announcements are all wrong. Okay. (laughs) You guys say all the wrong things for announcements. Uh, Sorry, guys. Uh, but, But... but there's always this profile of a church of what you're supposed to do. And I've learned that. I've read the books. And you come here, and you guys have just, like, wrecked everything. And, and, and it's good. It, it definitely is good. <laughs> it's, it's definitely good. And this is what the temple was supposed to be kind of back then. Like a place where you can come, a safe place to come and just worship God. And if you want to just stand quietly in the back, you can stand quietly in the back. Nobody's going to judge you. You know, if you want to raise your hands in worship, you can do that, and nobody's going to judge you. But back then, and even now, we see that there's there's people that are just quick to judge, or people that are after their own selfish gains. And I would I would have to say is, you know, I guess in, in a church in America, we really don't hold our pastors accountable too much as as a, as a whole. You now Dennis has some good guys around him, and and they talk, and 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 I chat with Dennis, but, but pastors pastors a whole really don't have accountability. And I would think that I could see Christ going into some churches today, and just kind of wrecking them the way the way He did back in the temple, just kind of going in there and, you know, putting that whip together and driving driving some people out of there. And I, you know, the thing I would leave you with, you know, is pray for Dennis, know that he's human, and and really don't let your relationship with be God. With God be through Dennis. Let him let him help you and let him kind of push you towards God, but don't let him be it. Because that's when, when people's focus is on man, that's where pride sets in with the with the religious leaders. And at some point they fall and, and things happen, and then people are just just devastated. And so draw close to God on your own. Get to know them. Feel free to bring your friends here. You know, because it is a, it's really just a, hey, come and worship God the way the way you worship God. And if you don't want to and you just want to sit in the back, go for it. I've been there for a few weeks. I was on the piano bench. You couldn't get any further back, probably the back step. And it was just kind of like checking things out and hanging out in the back, which is great. Don't ever lose that here. Don't ever, don't ever lose that, you know. And just love people that are different than you. But uh, hopefully you got something out of it today. And um, don't go on your feelings when worshiping God. Feelings are good. I like those, you know. You're wrap me in your arms and you're feeling all nice and warm and feeling like Jesus is wrapping you. It's good. But when those aren't there, you can't fall on that. It's, it's this that keeps you, Amen. right? It, it's it's that, that that builds your faith. So when you're not feeling like God's there or you're not feeling very churchy, You know the truth. And that's what's going to help you out. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for today. And Lord, as we draw close to you and as we are all on this personal journey, we thank you for those in our lives that have helped us, God. We thank you for those that have pushed us closer to you and revealed a little more of you to us. And Lord, I pray that our our hope wouldn't be in man, but it would be in you, God. Lord, that we would we would look to you and draw close to you, God. And we wouldn't rely on our feelings, but we would know the truth, God. And in that truth, there's freedom. Lord, in that truth, there's amazing things that you want to reveal to us. And so, God, I pray for everybody here and myself, God. Lord, I pray that we would draw close to you. Lord, that this would continue to be a, a place of worship, a place that honors you a safe place for anybody that comes in, God. Lord, that they would feel loved, God. And most of all, they would, they would encounter your love. Lord, continue to have your hand on Dennis, God. Continue to draw him closer to you. Continue to, to give him your revelation, Father. Give him your words and your wisdom. Father, for his leadership, I pray that they would continue to just love Dennis and Lord, be willing to just be honest and open with him. And Lord, I pray that you would use this ministry, God. Not not to grow big, but just to spread your love to people. People that may never walk in this door. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.